0: and welcome to the Yoga of Resilience podcast presented by Bhava Yoga. I'm your host, Kelly Golden, here to guide you in an exploration of yoga and its relationship to resilience. I'm a writer, yoga teacher, dedicated practitioner, and exhaustive thinker. And I've been practicing and studying yoga since 1995 and teaching since 2003. This podcast follows my exploration of Sri Vidya Tantra and its direct application to our lives in all situations on and off the mat. Through contemplation, conversation, wandering, and experience, we unpack the ways in which resilience is synonymous with the path and practice of yoga and the ways that both practices support us in showing up whole and alive in the midst of hardship and challenge. Most of these conversations were recorded live with current Virabhava Yoga students, and you can find yoga asana practices affiliated with each episode on our website, virabhavayoga.com. These practices and conversations are guideposts on the path to living a resilient life. If you would like to explore with us more deeply, check out our programs at virabhavayoga.com and practice with our teachers online and in your area. Hi friends, in this episode we are talking about change, our resistance to it and how understanding it can lead to greater resilience. We talk about what the impact might be if we choose to willingly enter into change rather than resist or control it. And we wonder about why constancy seems so safe when it is evidently unattainable. I hope you enjoy this episode that invites us to normalize being wrong increasing our risk and opening to the inevitable we are going to talk about change today i'm mostly excited about this um and looking forward to sharing um whatever insight i can glean from the sort of perpetual uh, wave surf that is my life, which sometimes feels like earthquake, um, but mostly feels like uh, rising and falling of sweet salt water. Um, so we're gonna talk about that today. And then I'm gonna talk about that until you're tired of listening to me. And then we're gonna hand it over to Tanya. Wave Tanya, wave to the crowd, yay. And Tanya's gonna, I have no doubt, teach you an amazing asana class. Uh, to close out your evening experience. Um, And that asana class will be available on the Virabhava Yoga website. Uh, We're not, they're not all, the bank is thinned out, um, but her class will be available for, I think at least a month, it might be two. Uh, So if you want to, if it's so good that you want a reprise, which I feel certain that you will, uh, just check it out there. And of course, and as always, whisper to your friends about how weird we are and don't shout it, that's just rude, and we don't, we don't want that kind of press. But uh, whisper to your friends about how weird we are, and if they're weird too, tell them where to find us. Yeah? Um, this is for the weird, Veerabhava, only for the weird. Maybe that's the, that's the summer 2021 tagline, only for the weird. Um, so I think what I'm gonna do is talk well, let's meditate first. So if you're in a place where you are able, if you're not in a place where closing your eyes and stopping your movement feels accessible, then uh, you'd be surprised at how deeply you can tune in wherever, from wherever you are to that quiet whisper inside. Uh, if you're able to close your eyes, you can do that now. Take a moment to drop into how you're feeling. So however you're feeling, this is a, we're a, an approach to yoga that does not judge or ask you to change how you feel. We're not trying to improve it or perfect it. We're not necessarily even trying to refine it. Um, we're simply trying to show up for what is, and that's A big part of what we'll talk about today in exploring change is how we show up for what is. It's a very simple practice of focus and concentration. Please simply watch the breath as it is enter the body and then watch it leave. It's all you have to do, it's not a challenge. Necessarily, you can pay special attention if it feels right or appropriate today. You can harness or focus your attention on the points of transition. So the place where inhale becomes exhale and the place where exhale becomes inhale. Try to allow it all in. That's how it works. When we are doing this work, everything comes into the meditation, the sound of the birds, the rumble of the thunder, the sweet little 10 fingered and 10 toed ones, they all get to be included. So in this process of observing breath enter, wherever it is entering in your body through the tips of your nostrils or wherever you're feeling it and watching breath leave and maybe being aware of those transitions, see if you can observe whether the breath is different each time, every cycle of inhale and exhale, or whether it's the same. Lucky for you, there isn't a right or wrong answer. (laughs) It just is what it is. So take a few moments to see what it is. That's all you have to do. That's the invitation. You don't have to analyze it, but you may, depending on how you're wired, and that's okay too. So as we come to a close in this centering space, I'm going to pose a question, as I'm known to do. What if we choose to willingly enter the spaces of change, rather than resist it or attempt to control it? How would that change our lived experience? What if choice was married to change? Beautiful. Take a deep breath out and you can blink your eyes open and return to our common space up to you, whether you want your camera on or whether you want your camera off. I really like looking at you. I think you're awesome, Uh, but totally up to you. (sighs) So welcome. Uh, We have survived the Ides of March. Uh, We are coming to the end. Spring equinox has come and gone. We are now in the upswing that gathers and harnesses with it strange, weird time control factors uh, and the inevitable budding and blooming of the world. It's such a gift. And if you're allergic to things like mold and pollen, it can be a bit of a conflicting gift. (laughs) Get your neti pots out and fill them to the appropriate level with salt and warm water and see what you can do to enjoy uh, the budding of springtime where I am. And you might live in a place, I thought about this today, there are people that live in a place where there's not big transitions of season. And I I wonder, I've become curious what that might be like to live in constancy all year. Um, It's not my wiring. It feels weird to imagine it, Um, but interesting nonetheless. So we're here to talk about change um, and it's, as, as maybe you guys have guessed over the course of, uh, of our time together, we're going on, we're, we're right up on our one year anniversary of these yoga resilience calls, um, which is exciting. And in the midst of this year, we have experienced massive levels, rises and falls of change. Um, and some pretty interesting consistencies. And now it feels to me at least where I am and where I sit in relationship with um, my world and um, the culture that I'm a part of, it feels like we're on the cusp of another change, which to a lot of people sounds like things finally getting back to normal and I'm watching the, uh, and I'm included in the, wait a minute, normal wasn't, where we want to be, right? That's why I said, if you have weird friends, send them our way, like we're the place for the weird, the non-normal. But as we're, as we're coming up into this space of, of consideration on what it looks like to change yet again, drastically and dramatically, like once we finally adapted to one set of drastic and dramatic changes framed in you know, for a lot of us, high levels of fear and anxiety, maybe isolation and depression, and then coming right up on the precipice of another change that might uh, shift all of that work um, into another direction. And, and maybe there's my senses in myself and in, in the people that I care about, there's uh, an interesting conflict um, Questioning whether or not we even want things to change. And if they do change, do we have any agency over what that looks like? Um, yet, you know, and reviewing where we've been in the last year, it seems like the yearning or the pull or pulse was for things just to go back to normal, right? So there's this hunger for the, the stability and constancy of the known um, that we had no control over changing Um, And we all sort of dealt with that in really interesting ways that reflected like the core of who we are, you know, and then uh, now we're up against the other end of it. The pendulum has swung um, and, and we're, though maybe nothing has really changed, things are going to start changing again. And in that, it got me really thinking about why is it? that we resist change so much when it seems to be the only thing that's real? Why is it that we try to anchor into a changeless space? Even in our, in our spiritual practices, we, we almost attach to this, this changeless place and, and it's never actually evidenced itself. In our lives. So, you know, one question I want to, I want us to think about um, when's the last time you made a commitment to anything or, or decided that you were going to embark on something and we're super excited about it and maybe it was even going your way and that that continued in perpetuity. When's the last time anything in your life was constant. And and it can, it can express itself in big ways, right? But it can also be in the minutia of a thing. You know, my example, I have kids. So uh, I think a lot about like what it's like to clean the house. And if you wanna see how things don't stay the same, invite a couple of kids over to your house right after you've cleaned it and watch how quickly, like almost instantaneously, as if they're like some sort of crazy magicians the house gets unclean really fast in brand new ways that you didn't even know were possible, right? So there's not, we seek almost desperately and maybe not um, uniformly, but we have this desperate seek for this steadiness and steadfast unchanging place, yet we have zero evidence. And I literally mean zero evidence that that place exists. And I'm constantly fascinated by the hunt for the thing that doesn't exist. So if you know me and you've hung out with me for a while, you know that um, it, it turns out that this is not the title of my first book. Maybe it'll be the title of my second book. But my original idea for writing a book was a book called Balance is Bullshit. Because I just couldn't track where it was happening. Right, we talked about it a lot and and we would do things to try to bring more balance into our lives, but that, that like doing and trying never stopped because the balance was never truly attainable. And then as soon as we thought we had it, it shifted and then we had to start the work all over again. And so I started wondering if balance as a goal was part of the problem. And I feel very similarly to change as a goal or changelessness or steadiness or stability being part of the problem of our inability to be resilient, right? We have, we create all these contexts or these requirements and these expectations of like, I can be resilient when, you know, this is my favorite thing in the world is, uh, for those of you that have partners or people in your life, like, I will be just fine when they get their shit together, right? I mean, let's be real, you know it's true. When my partner or my parents or my siblings or my children or my animals, like it doesn't even matter, when everybody can get their stuff on point, then I'll be great, right? And this idea is very similar that we, that idea relationally speaking, we apply also to sort of the the hard and fast evidence of our lives, when things can just be steady and constant, I'll be great. Right? When things can be really predictable, I will be awesome. But until then, I'm not okay. Right? And, and we, we've been able to see this under an incredible microscopic lens over the course of the last year that we're holding on to the moment where we can be okay because the massive amounts of shifts and changes and the sort of, um, the ways that those changes have empowered other changes, which has empowered other changes. Every time you think that you have your feet on the ground, something else, some other big boulder rolls over us, right? And then we find ourselves knocked down or knocked back again and I think a lot you know amber amber brings her babes to class and i love that because um being a parent and my uh children are uh, this is what i'll say and it probably won't make anybody feel any better uh but it they're always changing and so my my experience with infants was just when you think you had them figured out and they were on the schedule and you were finally like, i slept five whole hours and they're eating this way and they're doing this. And then it just, I mean, literally, they, they've got their little internal clock set to you thinking you've got it all figured out and then they change, they're change. they a whole new person. They're almost unidentifiable. They go through this rapid change and it's hard to get any traction on what's real. And then you, everything starts again, it's this big snowball. And I wish I could say that changes after they come out of infancy, but I have a 16 year old and a 19 year old and it hasn't changed yet. Uh, And I think if you ask my mom, she'd probably reflect the same thing. It's okay, so that's why you're here because we're gonna talk about how you don't need the changes to stop to thrive. That's the goal. Um, If there is a goal, you know me, I don't like to talk about goals. But the question I posed in the beginning is like, what if you willingly choose change? How will it change? How will it affect and impact the way that you live your life? Instead of choosing against change or resisting change or trying to control, right? You know, you guys are good, Pitta, type A, dominant culture of North America. You know how that goes. If I can just get it in here and keep it right there, then what will happen? it changes, right? Like just when you got it all locked in, it changes. And then we're thrown for a loop and those loops can look differently. Sometimes they look like, uh, sometimes a change in your life is falling in love. And so it radically upends your life but in a really beautiful way, right? It's not, change is not always bad. Like having a baby, you are one person on Monday, and on Tuesday, you were a completely different person, right? And those, those things are natural. So I have a teacher who still works with us after all these years in a different capacity. Um, His name is Peter. He told me a long time ago, we can't fight nature, Kel. We can't fight nature. Now, somewhere along the way, Newtonian science, or somewhere along the way, uh, humans decided that we could. That we could control nature, that we could um, dominate it in a way that would allow us to feel safe. And so we express our inability to dominate nature as a lack of safety. Have you noticed that? And nature, it's not just. hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and volcanoes. Oh my. But it's also the ways that we get into a relationship with one person and in two years, they're not the same person, right? And in 10 years, maybe we don't even recognize them or we dare to look in the mirror every day and we notice that the person that we were or that we think that we are, doesn't look the same, right? We, we engage in the world in such a way that we start to see right in front of us that change is inevitable. And here's what I love. And I wrote, if you read my blog post this week, you, uh, you got a little taste of this, but I am fascinated by how many yoga classes theme around accepting change and how it doesn't make any impact at all on how we actually accept change. So if just saying, accept change, the only thing constant is change. I called Yoga Alliance once to ask for some advice, and that is the advice they gave me. The only thing constant is change. I was like, really? Can you, can you dive into that? Right? We, we get really attached to these platitudes around change, but we have almost zero ability to enact them in our lives. And to me, that's a place where we're yoga's—we're missing the point. They're not just platitudes and clichés, uh, though. The more they say it, the, the less <clears throat> committed I am to believing it. Right? What do we do to engage with change, and what will it do to us? When, when we see the tsunami coming and instead of running away or trying to uh, build a wall as fast as we can to protect ourselves, if we open our arms and dive head first into it. I have a lot of uh, amazing students, I don't know how it's, I still, I sit in awe every day that this is what I get to do, that you guys show up and listen to me talk about stuff. Um, and, and, there's, and there's this edge of, in trying to hold it together or trying to keep everything uh, manageable or um, in, in a way that we can deal with, that we start, uh, that access to joy starts to shut down. And it's my understanding from practicing Tantra for 17, like a long time, 15, 16, 17 years, that access to joy is is kind of the point. And if we are actively choosing to do things that prevent us from accessing joy, then that is the invitation, it's not a critique, but it's an invitation to question, what are we doing? Right, where is this coming from? Why are we feeling compelled to prevent? Um, I mean, we're living in a, in a, a time right now, I find really fascinating, obsessed almost about this, that we're living in a time where aging is not even on the table. I recently decided to uh, start calling myself old, and man, the pushback on that! I'm a crazy uh, like BBC fan. I like to watch a lot of masterpiece theater in BBC Four, and uh, I, I watch a lot of period stuff that's like set back in uh, the 14 and 1500s. And you know, old back in the 14 and 1500s was like 40. And it's only been in the last 100 years, maybe 150 years, that old is 70. And in the last, I don't know, five years, where old is now 80, our our lifespan has been extended by 10 years. And so, which is kind of cool. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that we are refusing to acknowledge the natural change that's happening in the mirror every day, right? You, we have all women on this call. You'll, you'll get me, you know, that day that you woke up and looked in the mirror and saw your mother, whoa, maybe not all of you do, but like, it is going to happen. And, and instead of being like, what an amazing, graceful transition and being really celebratory, we get terrified of our lost youth. And then we stop, we start trying to damn the change, right? Not, not damn in a, in a. Well, maybe damn in a sinful way, but like, stop it, put a boundary up to it, slow it down, become in control of it. And I'm, I'm just endlessly fascinated by this. How much easier, maybe ease, how much more easeful would our lives be, and this is the whole nature of this resilience course, is how much easeful would, more easeful would our lives be if we just stopped resisting the inevitable right? And we've talked about love and we've talked about grief and we've talked about joy and we've talked about all kinds of things. And now we're talking about change. What if we just agree to not resist it? And, and I know because I'm human too, the feeling that rises is fear. If I let change in without fighting it, I could lose everything. If I let change, if I lean into the change that's coming, nothing would be the same. I, maybe I won't know who I am. Maybe I won't have a place, right? Like all of the things that rise up when we think that we're agreeing to, to acquiesce or, or even align with, collaborate with, impermanence. And I want to I want to just put out there that from a tantric point of view, that's the point. The whole reason we're alive is to collaborate with impermanence. And so a year ago, I think we just put this out as a podcast, but a year ago I talked to you guys about what if what if the way we've been doing yoga is all wrong? What if it was a grand experiment that failed? I'm still pretty much in that boat. Uh, I don't have any problems with yoga, what yoga is or what Tantra is, or the way that we express it, but I, I constantly question the way that we're doing it. And where, And then, and then I play this game of trying to track who the authority is that has told us that this is all okay. Right, do you guys do this? Are you guys anarchist enough to play this game? When did, who told us that getting on your mat and starting in Tadasana and then going through five sun salutes and then going through these vinyasas and then ending in Shavasana is the right way to do it? And I mean, that's a pretty easy track. Uh, uh, Patabi Joyce told us that. But prior to Patabi Joyce telling us that, Iyengar was telling us something completely different. And Macharya was saying something even different than that. And then after Padabi Joyce's rise to glory in the Ashtanga system, after that, other people were saying different things. And, and it, what is the, the tipping point, if you will, that we decide that this is the right way to do things and the other ways are the wrong ways to do things. So there's, I'm, I'm uh, trying to learn how to master social media and let me tell you that it's that's when when it starts to become easy to call you, to call yourself old is when you start to trying to master social media and you're 40 over 40. Um, and I've been watching all these reels. and there are some really respected voices. In the yoga community right now, and you guys probably know who they are that are doing these reels where they're pointing. This is what you're supposed to do in yoga and this is what you're not supposed to do. In yoga. And I don't want to, I don't want to disregard that authority, their authority is coming from a, a lot of different places, but like, is that true for everybody. That's what I always wonder don't do this do this. Is that like universally true? And I think that, and, and you guys, if you've hung out with me enough or, or been exposed to the stuff that I teach, like, you know, everybody teaches Patanjali's yoga and hopefully Virabhava teaches it really differently. Right? Maybe maybe eight limbs of yoga is a choice, but it's not the only choice. And, and Sri Patanjali says it right there in the sutra. It's not the only way to do it. The tantric way to do yoga is experiment and fail. Assess your lessons and try again. And here's the thing is, even though you'll spin around the same patterns of behavior, if you learn how to choose Viveka, discernment, and bring your lessons with you, those patterns will never be the same. They'll be different every time if we learn how to really pay attention we'll see and hopefully you did at the beginning of this that not even your breath is the same not even every inhale is the same not even every exhale is the same and then what happens when we become collaborative with that when we cooperate with the absence of that uniformity And we start to even, dare I say, enjoy the change that is available in literally every moment. How will that change our lived experience and how will that impact the world? Right, do we have evidence, and this is a pokey question, but I'm interested, do we have evidence that controlling and minimizing change has worked culturally? Do we have evidence that it's worked financially? Do we have evidence that it it has worked with justice? Do we have evidence that controlling and reducing change and its effects works for us? And maybe you do, maybe you can think into it. And I mean, please send me an email. I'm interested. Because I am not fully bought in that our ideas of how we need to control our lives or manage, a lot of people don't like the control word. It's really got a negative connotation these days, but manage our lives in such a way that we can feel like we're steady and stable and we know what's going on. That very thing itself is the trap that's taking us away from the full possibility of our aliveness. How many of you feel more alive when you get out of the structure and strategy of your days than when you adhere to the structure and strategy of your days? Yeah, no kidding. Have you ever been on vacation? Let me, let me, like, have you ever been on vacation where you didn't have to manage anybody else? (laughs) If you go on vacation and you're trying to keep people alive, that's a different thing. But if you go on vacation you don't have to manage anybody else and you're just kind of left to be in the experience a lot of times you're really available to show up to whatever experience comes you're really excited to meet the moment you're living into the moment you're having these experiences maybe you never even contemplated they weren't in the itinerary they're not a part of the strategy yet here they are and rather than pushing them away because they're outside of the scope of what your plan was or that's stable, steady desire that you have, you open to what's possible. This is the whole nature of Tantra, that you open to what's possible. And voila, you have a lived experience of richness, of juiciness, of what it really feels like to be alive. And you know, the other really awesome thing that happens when you do that, is a lot of the things that you drag as discomforts, around all the time, like, kind of spontaneously disappear. Have you ever had a shoulder that hurts so bad, and then you went on maybe even a weekend away, and all of a sudden, you were pain-free? Happens to me often. Go on vacation for a week, even if that vacation is full of insanity, and the things that plagued you in the life of changelessness aren't there anymore, right? I feel as if, if we all really think about it, the evidence is very clear, right? Change is the truth. It is what's real. And our ability to engage and choose how to engage with change is the practice of resilience. Right? So, when we're not resilient, we resist change. We don't trust that change uh, is going to do anything but destroy us. The word in, in Patanjali's Sutra is abhinivesha. We're terrified of our own annihilation, so we distrust change. But when we're able to recognize that change is a natural occurring, Um, almost perfect, it might be the most perfect thing that nature does is change. And we're able to choose to step into that, to lean in, to dive into the wave. Um, Though it might not be easy. And I think you guys know by now, I don't promise easy. I don't promise pain-free. I don't, you know, it might not be any of those things. It might still hurt and it might be hard and it might be terrifying and it might be uncomfortable, but it's better. Right, you have agency and you have engagement and you have sovereignty over all of those discomforts. They don't bowl you over, you're not taken down by them. And that's the nature of what it means to be resilient, not to be unchanging. And I know I'm not even gonna get into this uh, unchanging part inside of ourselves, um Because my understanding, as, as I practice more over the years, it's been a long time I've been doing this game of, of yoga and Tantra, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty committed to my practices. But even in that, and even in accessing that sweet place inside where the universe is accessible. It's not an unchanging experience. It's an ever deepening and unfolding and sometimes frustrating and sometimes disheartening and sometimes blissful and sometimes joyful experience. And if we're constantly looking for the singularity of the thing, if we're constantly looking for the unchanging nature, man, we're often disappointed. We're often feeling like, how many times have you guys looked for the unchanging nature of yourself and thought, I'm not doing this right? How many times have you thought, I'm gonna really dive into practicing yoga and thought, I'm not doing this right? And that is mind boggling. How could you do it wrong? And the only way that you could do it wrong is to think that what it is in its absolute, beauty, however it presents itself, or absolute horror, if that's what it's showing up as, is wrong. Right, so that, that tendency to compartmentalize and judge and do your do's over here and your don'ts over here, that is a big obstacle to the experience of yoga and ultimately the experience of resilience. And I wanna, I wanna challenge that mindset. I want to challenge the mindset where our friends are saying, well, maybe those people are going to do bad things. And so we can't, we have, they have to be controlled. Because instead, if we could teach everyone that it's all here and it's all changing, and we could learn to trust not only ourselves, but start to trust other people, even if they're not presenting in the ways that we think that they should, can we please put a bomb in the shoulds, and the supposed tos, and then start to find that level of trust in self and others where we meet everything as it is in any given moment. That is the practice of Tantra. Not do it right over here and don't do all these things. It means that we have lives Full of mistakes. And let's can I invite you to celebrate that? We have lives full of getting it wrong and saying the wrong thing and taking the wrong turn. And gosh, changing often when it's unexpected. And sometimes those unexpected changes are the most amazing things that have ever happened. But if we are so attached and bound to preventing them, how will we ever know the full possibility of what it means to live the lives that we've been offered, this gift of aliveness? And it's terrifying. And I'm not telling you that it's not. I'm telling you it's supposed to be. I just said don't do the supposed I'm telling you that's the design. Can you remember way back? For me, I'm old, right? I'm claiming my old. I'm claiming I'm not elder yet. I'm not wise enough to be an elder. I'm going to start being uh, old. I'm going to start being okay with it. It, my, my, my best friend in the whole ride world was here the last two days, and we were talking about our gray hair, and uh, I don't have that much of it yet, but it's coming, uh, and we were like, how long, how long are we going to let it come before we change it? And I was like, I love this question because I'm teaching on change this afternoon. (laughs) So look, it can be gray. And then we can change it and it's all okay. Or it can be Brown and then it can be gray and it's change, and it's all okay. Right. Um, how, how long are we going to resist that inevitable change? How long are we going to choose to be blind? And that's, I don't want to be blind, do you? And I do recognize that that flies in the face of our dominant culture in North America. I do realize that it flies in the face of capitalism and economics and uh, sustainability. Oh my God. But again, I ask you, who's the authority that said that's the goal? If it feels like it's the goal for you, then there's how you're expressing change in the world. But if you're doing it because someone else said, I'm just kind of doing this because I don't know how to make a reel. And so I'm just knocking on the reels because I don't understand actually Emailed my 19 year old daughter and said, I will pay you to make reels for Veerbomba Yoga. Because <laughs> it's like she came out knowing how to do it. And uh, I don't know how. But I don't, what if your change was the constant success and failure of s- sustainability? What if that was your nature? Or your nature was the constant changing. Uh, of wealth, or the constant changing of relationship. I'm just not sure where and, and at what point the constancy became the goal. And I also question our ability to live in constancy and what it robs from us of our life force, of our prana. Shakti, if you remember back a couple of, of classes ago, Shakti is tension. Shakti is tension. And we often avoid the tension of, un, of not knowing or the tension of feeling unsafe. We, we desperately seek out safety and, and, and predictability. And in doing so, we so much rob ourselves of the shakti, of our experience. Um, I don't think that I, uh, yeah, I I just watched an Esther Perel video, whom I love. If you guys know Esther Perel, Brain Pickings put a little uh, compilation of a talk from On Being that she did a couple of years ago. And one of the things she said is, Um, A life without risk is a life without play, and one of the nature, one of the primary teachings of Tantra is the nature of the universe is lila, and that word in Sanskrit means play, that the nature of the universe is play. And by Esther Perel's estimation, and I'm going to hop on board because it feels right to me, in order to play we have to have risk and change as you, I'm sure if you're anything like me, we're all feeling this impending change that's about to happen again as governors make choices and shots are put in arms and the world is continuing to spin and the phases of the moon are continuing to move and there's a change coming and it's terrifying. It could be terrifying in any direction. It could be it's way better than it was before. It could be it's way worse than it was before. And it could be the infinite number of points between those two places. And wherever it lands, it won't stay the same at any point. And so what happens if we invest in that? If we invest in the fact that it's changing, if we invest in the possibility that whatever we choose to do today could be undone tomorrow, or whatever we think we're creating can turn into something completely unexpected tomorrow. What happens when we accept that our inhale and our exhales are never the same? What do we have access to? Okay, I'm going back to my notes. I have nine minutes and I'm gonna go to my five pages of notes now uh, and not talk about any of them. When we relinquish our choice or agency, it's very, very difficult to trust ourselves. When we hand over our choices or our, the word I wanna say is salvation, but I'm struggling with wanting to say that. When we look outside of ourselves to be saved and we don't take uh, the power or the Shakti or the tension of choice for ourselves, then trust remains way out away from anything we can grasp. And truly, I think that the only way that we can deeply dive into a a lived, vital, um, chronically full experience of change is to trust that that is how it's supposed to be. Again, I lean on nature in a big way. I look outside my door to see what's constant And when I can't track something constant, I then start to believe that change is real. And then I can trust it. Right? I'm not being sold something that's not true because I can look out and see that the the way the trees look today are different than they looked yesterday. The way they will look tomorrow and two weeks from now and five weeks from now and five months from now are gonna be different than they are today. I can look in the mirror and I can see the same thing. I can look in my children's faces and see. There's no stopping that tsunami of change. What I can do is trust it. That is maybe all I can do. And that is not a small request. But what happens when instead of trusting the constancy and continuing to reach for the thing that seems like it never comes, we start trusting the the inconstancy, the impermanence of things. How can we then meet ourselves in those moments where we find the pull towards wishing it would just stay the same? How many of you as parents have said, oh, I just wish they'd be little forever? Right, My dad used to say, I'm going to put a brick on your head so you stop growing. And I thought, wow, that is weird and kind of abusive. Definitely oppressive, right? Like, come on, dad, I'm going to change, right? And you know, your kids, this is what your kids are telling you all the time. Maybe this is what your partner is telling you. Maybe this is what your boss is telling you. Maybe this is what your dog, my dog is currently telling me this right now. Just let me change. And then I'll let you change, and then we can trust that wherever change leads us, it is exactly where we have the opportunity to be, right? So when we trust change, it becomes subjective rather than objective. Yeah, if you're not an English nerd like me and Lo, then let me break that down. When you trust change, It becomes an activated experience that is malleable and and, and in itself changeable with any given moment. And it's not a fixed point in time or a goal that is achieved and then trust can come or uh, a point on the map to achieve. It's fluid. It is as you are. And when you can find the trust that is as you are in any given moment, then everything can just be what it is in any given moment, and you can trust that you will know how to respond. And even, and this is the, this is the edge of Tantra that people hate, but here you go, even if you make a wrong choice, you can trust that too even if you don't do it right, even if it's not perfect, it is also to be trusted because it is, is. And it doesn't have to be more than that. Can I, there was someone that posted on Facebook, an acquaintance asked, he said he was teaching us, he was putting together a sex ed class for his alternative high school. Katie might've seen this. And uh, asked for feedback. And I was like, sex positive, please. And right? I said, it would be great if we could just start bringing an end to the repressed shame based responses that come when we make things controlled and small and take away people's agency and, and uh, insinuate shame into natural processes. Yes. And I feel the same way here. Can we make failing positive? Can we have failed positive culture? Change positive culture? Unknowing positive culture? Uncontrolled positive culture? Like what would it look like if we just tipped the balance just ever so slightly into acceptance and allowing and surrender and trust. It's not a huge tip, but it is the transition into sovereignty and agency and the play of life in all its fullness, in all its potential, in all its capacity And it makes every day, even the hard ones, worth living. Even the lonely ones and the frightening ones are still really valuable. And it seems like we're living in a time where we could bring, it might be time to bring the value back to our days without the requirement of them being predictable or even steady. Yeah. Um. Here's a here's I'm almost done. I have to hand this over to Tanya. By my clock, I have uh, uh, some minutes left. A minute, depending on which clock I'm looking at. Don't you want to be inexhaustibly curious, interested, and complex? That is is the nature of change. To strive to figure out nothing with any certainty, but instead to dive into the sea of complexity and be brought to awe by what we find. Working with an interchange is the way that the world works. And I promise you that when we allow it and not resist it and not fight it, life will get easeful, juicier, fun, not better, not right, just more livable. Check in with yourself. No matter how much you resist control or attempt to minimize it, change is going to happen anyway, so how are you going to meet it? My suggestion is this. Surrender. It's going to happen. Maybe, maybe even resist feeling victimized when your life changes in small ways and big ways. We can talk about that on a different call. Accept change as inevitable. Don't just talk about it. Don't make it platitudes or cliches. Like literally accept it and then watch it come down the chute for you. Celebrate it. Holy snap. Celebrate it. Be old. If that's what you wanna be. No, Carol says, no, not gonna be old. Be young when you're a hundred, whatever it is. Celebrate the change that is coming and you can't stop it. And then lastly, to, to bridge the gap, there's uh, it's called pendulation. If you guys know, Kimberly Ann Johnson, she talks about this. It's a lot of uh, traumatic, uh, of somatic bodywork dealing with trauma talks about pendulation. Go into change as far as you can, right to the edge of what's uncomfortable and then come back to what's safe, right? And maybe that's something that looks like steadiness. And then when it arises again, and it will because it's inevitable and that's the nature of the universe, go into it a little farther and then come back to what's safe and then go out into change and back to what's safe over and over and slowly over time, you'll build this fantastic capacity to endure, not only endure change, but celebrate it and allow your life to be colored by it. Yeah. Thanks for showing up y'all, listening to me rant. Starting to think this, I really appreciate You, I'm starting to think that my rants are getting crazier and crazier, but hey, you keep showing up. Hi, folks. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you would like to access the asana practices affiliated with each episode, please check out our webpage, www.dirabhavayoga.com backslash podcast. And take advantage of our online classes programming, and apparel by using the discount code PODCAST2021, all uppercase letters, to save 20% off everything on our website. That discount code is PODCAST2021, all uppercase. Thanks for listening.